we're ultimately trying to get people to move. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I have to be sporty to go and see a physio. You don't at all. Hello and welcome to Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design, how we live, the clothes we choose and how we organise our space. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, a certified KonMari consultant and personal stylist. I'm here to guide you on your journey to live a happy, fulfilled life. Every Tuesday, you'll get new insight on what it means to live well, plus actionable tips. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Our guest today is physiotherapist Susan Harper-Clark. Susan is passionate about getting people active for life, not just for lockdown. She is full of enthusiasm and a delight to work with professionally. She helped me recover from a rowing injury I sustained last summer and got me moving again. Susan has some great fitness tips to help you get motivated and active too. And she helped Team GB in the run-up to the 2012 London Olympics. So stay tuned. There's even some unexpected fashion advice. Sue, I'm so delighted to welcome you to the show and it's lovely to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. It's my first ever podcast. (laughs) Uh, I've listened to podcasts, but I've never been part of one. So I feel very honoured. Very cool. Just to give people a bit of a background, we met over a year ago now and I had a rowing injury of all things. Um, Although I suppose that's not so unusual as you are a physiotherapist. I am indeed. And you are a rower. Not sure I go that far. I'm a dabbler. (laughs) So tell me, what has it been like to be a physiotherapist during the pandemic? Have you been doing online classes? Yeah, do you know, I have to say, I went in very, very sceptical as to how effective kind of online physio, Zoom physio would be. And I've been quite surprised. Obviously, we're talking at the moment. I can see you. Um, I can see your expression. So actually, you can get quite a lot from, you know, getting people to move, getting people to do certain tests, showing bits to the camera. You can actually glean quite a lot and, and get some kind of working diagnosis. And actually, I've been spending a lot more time explaining why things happen to people and explaining how they can help themselves. Self-management, showing people how to sit, what to do, and spending a bit more time on the rehab part. So actually having that time to be able to explain and really get people to understand why they've done something, what the problem is and how they can help themselves has has been quite eye-opening, actually. It's been good. I'm glad to get back to face to face now. We are still offering Zoom consultations for people who are maybe in that vulnerable group or whatever. But I've been finding that most people have been wanting to come back to some kind of face to face. I mean, we've been wearing as physios like full PPE, so mask gloves, aprons. And then people coming into the clinic have been coming in with masks as well. We've got windows open and minimising people in and having the one-way system in and another way out. And it's been fine. I was a little bit nervous about starting back. But actually, I think because we've done it really, really gradually, minimising risk. Ultimately, you want people to make an informed decision as to, you know, does not doing anything outweigh the risk of doing something? Yeah, just taking a step back for people who've never been to physiotherapist. What is physiotherapy? How do you help people? 
Yeah, so physiotherapy is for those people who, say, are experiencing any pain or loss of function or weakness in any part of their body due to injury or due to overuse or underuse of their body. Um, And obviously, there's been a lot of that in lockdown. We treat people through education, so educating them on a healthy lifestyle, educating them on their ergonomics, in other words, how they sit or how they shouldn't sit or how they should be adapting what they're doing in their home to suit their bodies. We have a look at how weak or how tight bits of their body are and also give them self-treatment strategies or we do treatments on them, whether it's massage or joint manipulation. But the main thing as well is really the the rehab. So in other words, honing an exercise program independently to them to suit their strengths or weaknesses, to try and get them to move better and also to understand their body more. You've got to really try and work out what makes your patient or client or individual tick in order to be able to help them to manage their condition, as opposed to them being totally reliant on you to get them better. Um, Generally, if people are more robust and strong, you generally can sort out an injury. And sometimes you may need to help them along a little bit with getting them maybe opening up certain joints better by doing some certain treatment techniques, or just generally helping to improve the efficiency of an injury that's healing, for example. So would you say everyone would benefit from seeing a physiotherapist, whether or not they have an obvious injury at the moment? Yeah, I think physios don't have to be just as and when you get an injury. It can actually be to reduce the risk of injuries and actually to promote health and well-being as well. We're ultimately trying to get people to move. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I have to be sporty to go and see a physio. You don't at all. You basically just need to want to move and want to improve the way that your body interacts with the environment. However you need to be able to move, we can hopefully help you to be able to move in that way. You don't necessarily need to be a sporty individual. You just want to have to want to move more. Um, And that's what ultimately we're trying to promote. And I think as well, especially with COVID at the moment, it is all about maybe losing that lockdown weight, getting fitter, getting more robust. And when you're more robust, when you're stronger, you fight infection more and fight injury. Our role in health promotion is really vital, especially at this moment in time, whether it's dietitians or GPs or personal trainers, um, we're all there as a group to try and help people to help themselves, really. I love that. What would you say the relationship is between physiotherapy and nutrition? Is there an obvious connection? I think it all depends on, on where your interests lie. I've got quite a big interest in nutrition personally, because obviously what you put into your system has a big impact on your health, your ability to heal. So whilst I'm not trained per se in nutrition, I've gleaned a lot of experience and and information over the years to pass on to my clients. But ultimately, if one of my clients or patients had a specific issue related to nutrition, I would probably then refer on to a dietitian or a nutritionist or a sports physician so that they can actually get that absolutely guided knowledge of whatever they'd need. I'm not an expert in that area, but I would pass them on to the people that, that would know. Ultimately, you want people to, to get the best out of that experience. And if you've only got a small bit of experience in that area, then you know, you're not going to solve that person's problem. That's fabulous. 
And tell me, I think you've worked with Team GB in the past as well, haven't you? Yeah, I worked with their under-23 squad. So when I was a young budding physio, (laughs) I got the opportunity to work with them and work in their training camps. And that was really exciting. And it was just coming up to, or the lead into the 2012 Olympics. So a lot of the 23 squad were aiming to get into the senior squad. That was really exciting to see that. And just to see these young athletes, like at their peak kind of fitness, training and producing these amazing outcomes. Yeah, it was a very different world to work in compared to your average person who likes to keep fit. That level of performance was just, you know, up there. So as a consequence as a physio, you have to then pick up your level of what you need to be able to get them to as well. Yes, yeah, so that was really interesting, a big, big learning curve for me. I can imagine. And that was such a special year. In my memory, 2012 will always be that kind of magical time, which I think a lot of people in this country see it as. Absolutely. Yeah. 2012 was definitely a a peak year for us. (laughs) I remember saying to someone earlier this year before the pandemic hit, I said, you know, I have a really good feeling about 2020. I think it will be another 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's been a funny old year. I can't believe six months of the year has gone. Just wiped out. It's just bizarre. I, I, I can't quite see an end at the moment. There's, there's definitely light there until I think we all start going back into work and the kids go back to school. We're not going to really see much of a difference. So do you have um, a lifestyle philosophy or mantra or something that would you that you'd say helps you live your best life or that's helped you get through the pandemic? I've definitely recognised in this last five months the need to slow down and take stock a bit more. I tend to be a bit of a manic kind of person. I tend to be on the go all the time. But now that we've actually had to slow down, and I think for me, relinquishing a little bit of responsibility has been quite good. Like I'm used to kind of micromanaging everything. Everything's been timed. It's getting to school. It's getting to work. It's picking up from school. It's getting to swimming lessons. And I haven't had that. Initially in lockdown, I was trying to plan every single minute of the day. And actually, I just, you know, I haven't had to do that. And it's been really interesting for me because actually my kids have been great. They've been just getting on with stuff. There have been times where it's been totally horrific. But actually, I would say 80% of the time, they've just got on with stuff without me really saying. So actually, it's given me the opportunity to step back and go, do you know what? They can just get on with it themselves. And actually, that has then freed up my headspace a bit. Yeah, so slowing down, I would say, and and doing stuff that makes you feel happy is going to be my big take forward as opposed to doing stuff that you think is important. I think that's a a lovely lockdown realisation, which I'm sure many people can relate to. So we all experience failure, whether it's something we broadcast to the world or not. Would you like to share a personal failure? It could relate to fitness, life, fashion, even anything. Fitness failures. I'll tell you a fitness win. I've actually now done the couch to 5k so I've actually followed my own advice I've actually practiced what I preach so I've actually followed the couch to 5k word for word and I've done it and I've completed it and I would say out of everything I'm great at lifting weights I'm great at doing fast stuff but I'm not great at endurance stuff so actually 
for me to follow a really specific program and doing something that I'm not particularly good at, which is running, I'm now really enjoying my running. It's given me a different thing to do and a different thing for me to focus on that I'm not very good at. And I feel quite proud of myself, actually. I've always been wanting to do it, but I've never really either had the time or made the time to do it. And now there's been no excuses because that's all you could do. You could go out for your one session a day. So that's what I did. The kids came out on the bike. I went out for the run. Friends of mine have been doing the same thing. So I think it's opened up quite a lot of opportunities for people to kind of try new things without the excuses of not having the time to do it. How long did it take before you actually started to enjoy it? How long did it take for that mindset shift to occur? What a great question. Well, to be fair, because I was going out by myself, it was great. And it was my only headspace. So actually, I would say from day one, I enjoyed the process of doing it. Actually enjoying the running itself, I would say it took a good six weeks because I felt like I could do it then. I, I felt like I had the underlying strength, the underlying endurance for me to go, yes, I can run now without feeling out of breath or yes, I would say about six weeks, but then to really, really enjoy it, I would say it took me to the end of the couch to 5k, which is I think about eight or nine weeks. I've enjoyed it. I've breathed fresh air, I've been out in nature um, and come back and feel quite motivated and feel, you know, yeah, quite proud of myself that I've I've gone out and, and done it. That's great. What advice would you give people who are still in that period of struggling with a new activity before they really start to make a habit and enjoy it? What would they do? I think it's all about the choice of what activity you want to do. What I try and say to people, what do you actually enjoy doing? Don't just go, I I should really start running. If you don't enjoy running, you need to find something that you know that you're going to make habit. You need to find something that you can go out and enjoy, whether that's a dance class or swimming or um, Tai Chi or yoga or running. You need to find something that you're going to be consistent at. If you're not going to find a consistency and if you're not going to enjoy it, you won't make it habit. So that I would say is a big plus is finding something that you enjoy. And just because Joe Bloggs does it or just because your sister or brother-in-law or friend doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. So I think give it a go. But you need to also give something a go for a relatively long period of time, like four to six weeks, because actually sometimes it does take time to build up strength, endurance, tolerance, enjoyment of something. So I think following a plan, following some kind of strategy to get to your goal is really important. If you say, right, well, I want to be able to run 5K. Well, that's quite a long term goal. So if you make short term goals leading up to that, then it's a really good way of doing it. Breaking down a long term goal, especially physical goals or activity related goals into smaller manageable sections will always mean that you succeed. So you never lose that motivation. You always get that sense of satisfaction once you've done it. There's no point in doing something if you don't feel good afterwards. That sounds great. So would you say you have a daily habit or ritual that brings you joy, aside from running maybe? Do you know what? In in lockdown, my eldest son, Tom, has come up with a morning hug. We always start our day, or try to, with a morning hug, regardless. And actually, it's amazing what that does. It completely sets you up for the day. Stop everything. Everyone have a morning hug. 
big squeeze, get on with the day. And you know what? It's amazing what that can do. I'm going to keep that going forward. Morning hug, everyone. A uh, bit like pile on. So we're definitely going to keep that going forward. Or even a self hug if you're by yourself. A bit of a self squeeze sets off your natural endorphins. That's such a wonderful idea. And I hope everyone listening to this will do the same thing. <laughs> Imagine if you live the life you really want. You know, your dream life. Have you ever taken time to picture what it would look like? I mean, what it would really look like? We're not talking about the life you feel you should have, but deep down, the life you secretly want. Your ideal life. Maybe you already have a vision. Picture an iconic VW camper van pootling down the coastal path. Maybe you're in Cornwall, the Amalfi Coast, or alongside a fjord in Norway. Yes, the scenery is stunning, and you're getting ready to stop for a picnic. There's a perfectly ripe, oozy cheese waiting for you, a selection of your favourite treats, and there may, or may not, be vintage vinyl and a portable gramophone to complete the picture. But... That's never going to happen, right? Wouldn't it be nice to take a step back, sweep aside all your worries, and imagine... That's where I come in. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, and I've developed an exclusive questionnaire for the Also in Pink community to help you create a vision of your ideal life. Simply join the Also in Pink email list and you'll get instant access to our Ideal Lifestyle Vision questionnaire. Go on then. Make a cup of your favorite tea or whatever floats your boat. Go to alsoinpink.com and click Start Now. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. So I'm curious, what's your earliest happy memory? That is a very good question. My earliest happy memory. I have a very strong memory of when I was less than three and my sister catching this fish in a little net in our local park and I couldn't catch it I was too young we both had a little net and she let the fish out into my net so I could claim that I'd caught it and I remember feeling really happy that I'd caught a fish even though I hadn't really my sister had just poured her fish into mine I look at that now and that, that is so my sister letting me take a bit of glory for her achievements. Oh, I remember feeling so amazing that I'd caught this fish. That's quite a strong memory for me, that. And has that continued to now, would you say? Oh, totally. She looks after me now. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got a very strong bond. And I think that just for us, it's definitely got stronger as we've got older. So these things you do when you're younger for your siblings will perhaps have a larger impact than you ever would think. (laughs) Absolutely. So Sue, do you have a vision for what your ideal life looks like? I think an ideal life would be able to overcome hardships or being able to overcome problems if they're put in your way. It's approaching life with a positive attitude. Okay, it's not going to happen all the time, but it's having that mental strength to keep going forward. I think that's 
what an ideal life or trying to get a life that's you know you that you navigate ideally is the only way forward really I can definitely see that. Maybe those words are misleading, but by ideal life, I just mean to take time to think of how you really do want to live and how you want to put yourself out there and just creating a vision of that, which you could work towards instead of just accepting things as they are if you're not happy with them. I agree. Absolutely. I think as well, it's not taking things for granted now. I don't think we can take anything for granted now. And it's not putting up with stuff that you've maybe accepted in the past, whether it's attitudes towards certain things, whether it's things that people say to you, whether it's behaviour towards a certain situation. It's trying to be your best self. I'm, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere in the media. It's trying to be yeah, a better person. It's not taking people for granted. I think that's really important. And that's how I'd like to go forward, trying to be more patient with people, with myself maybe as well. Maybe giving myself a bit of a break every now and again. Maybe the pressure of not needing to be perfect. I'm curious, does that concept of ideal life kind of rub you the wrong way would you say i think there's a lot of pressure to have an ideal life especially for women now there's the whole instagram perfect lifestyle there's an ideal that's put out there especially i think for women and teenage girls that is wrong and is not realistic so i i look at the world that my nieces growing up in now and and that's a lot of pressure and i think it's really important for our generation of women to step up and we need to be more careful with how we want the younger generations of women to feel. We want equality. We want women to be treated appropriately, correctly. But the power of looks, I think, is still a real driver with a lot of teenage girls because of, you know, Instagram, social media, and the media. Really interestingly today, so I was in Marks and Spencer's getting school uniform and there was lots of different shapes of women, lots of different types of people. I noticed in Marks and Spencer's, the young lad who was advertising the school uniform had Down syndrome. Now, thank goodness we are advertising what our normal population looks like because there's lots of different, you know, varieties, shades, colours, disabilities that actually make up our world. So we need to be able to portray this as the norm not just a very linear structured this is what our society should look like or you should aspire to so I think actually putting it out there that there are lots of different types of shapes and sizes is going to be good for future generations to see because actually it makes them realize that we are a very wide community a very diverse community and that's good and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think anytime there's an ideal that's supposed to be for everyone, that's a negative thing. I guess what I'm trying to put across is creating that vision for yourself without any outside influence and pushing past ideas of how you think you should live or concerns that might create obstacles into creating that vision and discovering what that ideal lifestyle vision is for you personally. Yeah. And I think that's that's really important. It's it's getting ideas. It's making informed decisions about how you want to be seen, but also how you act as well. Like how we act has a direct impact 
on how other people perceive us and then how they go on to act. So actually, it's a quite a big domino effect. I think as well, you don't necessarily have to fit a mould. I think that's really important, that you find your own path to make yourself the person that you want to be. It's dressing for you, it, you know, as opposed to dressing for other people. Exactly. So, Sue, what's your top fitness tip? What's one thing everyone can do to improve their health or their well-being? I would say just move is the best thing that I can advise people. So what I mean by that is a lot of people, if they come to me as a physio, they go, oh, I need to do a sport. You don't have to do a sport. All you have to do is move. If you get off your sofa, that's moving. So actually anything that involves moving is good. When you're moving, you have to enjoy moving. So whether that's moving rhythmically in a swimming pool or moving out for a walk or just having a dance with your friends in the kitchen, that is moving. And I think anything that we can do to encourage people getting off their bums is a good thing. And I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. So we're approaching the end of the show now, and we have the also in pink quick fire question round. Ooh, da, da, da. Exactly. We need the theme tune. <laughs> Do you want to improvise I know, it? We need a little drum roll. <laughs> that wasn't a very good drum roll, that was it? Just a minute. <laughs> there. <laughs> you should have a second career as a Foley artist. I should, I should have brought my xylophone or something in, shouldn't I? I've got one downstairs as well. So. What's your most treasured possession and no judgment? Oh, a treasured possession. Gosh, I suppose my wedding ring, which is around my neck at the moment, because obviously I can't wear it for COVID because I need to keep washing my hands all the time. I'm not really a things person. I don't really have a treasured possession. But yeah, so I lost my ring. It fell off my finger when I was in the garden at the beginning of lockdown and I was absolutely mortified i'm not a jewelry wearer at all and that's the only bit of jewelry i wear and i'm constantly playing with it i still play with it now even though i haven't been wearing it for 15 months i've just been putting it around my neck so yeah so that i would say is my my only real true possession everything else material wise could go well that's a true treasured possession then if that's the only thing you need <laughs> so following on from that what's your favorite article of clothing or accessory in your current wardrobe Oh, jean shorts. And I've got them on now. You can dress them up. You can dress them down. It's mainly been dressing down for me. You can wear them with wedges, with trainers, with heels, with flip flops. Jean shorts are my absolute go to fashion accessory item. Brilliant. And I bet you didn't think you'd be giving fashion advice in this uh, chat. <laughs> Not at all. I'm the least fashion forward person ever. But jean shorts you need in your wardrobe. I'm saying this now, get some jean shorts. <laughs> and they never wear out as well, which is even better. Oh, exactly. Sustainable as well. Sustainable fashion. Absolutely. Actually, that's one thing. I've had a big clear out, thanks to you, of my wardrobe. So I've massively honed down my wardrobe. I've got now one very small wardrobe space and two shelves, all in boxes. Amazing. And so you are fully aware of what you have and it's all presumably stuff that you enjoy wearing. It is, and it's all coloured. I've got my pants in one box. I have my socks in another box. I have my t-shirts and my vest tops or whatever I've got all neatly folded. And I have all my winter gear, which is all packed up in the drawer under my bed. 
ready to come out when it's rubbish weather. Wow, truly impressed. (laughs) (laughs) All thanks to you. (laughs) I'm being a lot more mindful about my what I buy now. I don't want to have a big cluttered lifestyle wardrobe because I don't need it because I don't really have a cluttered life at the moment. (laughs) Streamlined in all ways. (laughs) It's totally streamlined, yeah. Where do you go to get inspired? Oh, where do I go? It's mainly online. I really find shopping really quite boring. So I suppose actually inspiration is, yeah, from the internet really, looking at papers and magazines and I definitely get attracted by colour. What's one book or resource you'd recommend for everyone? Ooh, one resource. Is the internet too broad? (laughs) Okay, Google. Okay, Google. That's my resource. What's one inch in centimetres? Gosh, that's a really tough question. i tell you what a good person on Instagram that I've been following at the moment. He's called the Lifestyle Medicine Doctor. And that's a really interesting resource to have a look at because it goes from the fundamentals of nutrition and debagging and debunking a lot of the pseudoscience about diet and food. That sounds super useful. And what are you grateful for? Well, at the moment, health and family, really. Very simple. We've been really lucky through this whole pandemic of state, pretty fit and healthy. Yeah, health and family. Sounds good. And finally, what do you love most about life? Can I have the same answer to the last question? Health and family? It's very simple at the moment. I think as long as everyone's going forward and being happy, that's what I love. That's what I strive to be. I want my kids to be happy and confident and outgoing and and love being interested, basically. So, yeah, I think very simple family. Well, thank you so much, Sue. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for chatting and having such a nice little conversation. It's like being back in the clinic again, having our little powwows. Yes, exactly. Long may they continue. (laughs) Absolutely, definitely. (laughs) Well, hope you enjoyed that chat with physiotherapist Susan Harper-Clark. Be sure to check out her Instagram feed at The Pocket Physio. And I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to start the Couch to 5K program too. So here are some key takeaways from our conversation. You don't have to be sporty to go and see a physiotherapist. Physios are there to help you understand your body more and move better. They help you get fitter and stronger, and the stronger you are, the less likely you are to sustain injury. If you want to get more active, find an activity you're going to enjoy. If you enjoy it, you're far more likely to make it habit. And give it a go for a relatively long period of time, about four to six weeks. It can take time to build up your strength, your endurance, even your enjoyment of something. And start each day with a morning hug. Go on then, you know you want to. Grab someone right now, or just give yourself a nice little squeeze. A healthy mindset is just as important as a healthy body. So be kind to yourself and to others. Find your own path for what your ideal life means for you. And most importantly, get off your bum and move. That's our show then. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Alexandria and this is Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Also in Pink wherever you get your podcasts. And the absolute best way to show your support is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. This really helps more than anything to promote the show. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life.